Alright, it is time. I can't do the Ken intro. I tried doing it, but uh, it's time for another week of N4G Radio. Um, no, this is uh, a Phoenix Down collaboration um, where we are continuing our game of the year. Uh, we did a lot of the people on staff uh, the last episode. This episode, we're going to finish it off, get everybody's opinions, some of their top 10 games of the year for 2016. Maybe some disappointments, and uh, yeah, some honorable mentions, stuff like that. Hopefully, um, I, I do have two lists that I have to read off because some some people could not join us. But I do have with me my partner and crime for Phoenix Down, Matthew Quinn. Hello, hello. And writer and sometimes Phoenix Down co-host Sophie Holiday. Hello. And uh, I'm going to be reading off Jason Gambrell, Gambus Khan, and uh, Dave Payerly's, uh lists as well. Uh, they could not join us. I tried getting them on, but uh, things happen. So, so I'll tell you what. Let's start off. All right, Matt, you know what? I'm going to go with you first. Ah, uh, breaking the ice. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so let me ask you this. Do you have any disappointments of the year? Do I have any straight disappointments? No. Okay. Do I think a lot of the games this year were both strong and disappointing? Yes. Okay. Um, you know, n- none more epitomized than No Man's Sky, I think. Whew, that was a major disappointment for me. Not yeah, for me. I, <laughs> it, it was the most disappointing on that list for me, but I, you know, I also actually have it as my number 10 on my list. I, I did enjoy the game. I... I spent most of my time with the game trying to figure out what the game was, which I don't know if that's disappointing or exploratory. You could you could probably call it what you want, depending on your mood. I'm sure Sean Murray was like, yeah, it, it, it's, it's exploratory. We'll go with that. I, I mean, I, I did. I enjoyed the scope. And if I have one theme on my list this year, it's that for me, ambition trumps some of those issues the games have. Yeah. No I'm game I think was yeah. more amb- no game was more ambitious than No Man's Sky either this year. I, I feel exactly the same way about um what you just said, Matt, about the game and about applauding ambition and No Man's Sky, um I'll talk about it in a bit, but I was just gonna say, um one thing that really struck me when I was reading an article about this game just quite recently in a in a PC gaming publication, they said, you know, Maybe we should all stop complaining about what games like that aren't and celebrate what they are. And I thought exactly. that was a kind of a really cool way of putting it. So yeah, I'll speak more about my opinion on it later. But yeah, I I agree with you 100% there. I also I also have a couple friends at work who are violently angry at this game. Returned it, demanded their money back, and they said this game was supposed to be X, Y, and Z, and it never lived up to any of it. This was complete. You know, completely misleading, and I, you know, I feel like I've been betrayed. <laughs> okay. And I just want to say, look, this is a small company who I, I agree that the marketing sold it for more than it was, but you know, to me, that was Sony saying, "We've got something here that's interesting. Let's push the hell out of it." Yeah. That was not Hello Games. You know, pulling the wool over everybody's eyes and misleading everybody. And he's like, no, up until the day before it launched, they were still claiming you could do things that you couldn't do. 
Well, so some of I, that is kind of true. Um, but I'll like I, like you said, I think Sony really pushed that to say, "Hey, let, let's make this look ambitious as hell," which it is ambitious. But I think that they, it's like I said on the on the the part one podcast, it, No Man's Sky is the perfect example of a victim of his own hype. I mean, it it, it hyped everybody up, and hype always leads to some kind of disappointment. And yep. I mean, I just like I, I'll put it this way. It's, it's like I said, I bought that game day one. I had it pre-ordered and everything. I played, I played three hours of it on the day it came out. The next day, I played two hours of it, and then it sat on my shelf for three months before I traded it in. I had no desire whatsoever to go back into that game. Mm. But yeah, that's and just I, me, I, you know. I think that's fair, and I, I think I've always sort of said it's like a Marmite game, but on the on the subject of hype, I think, you know, we as consumers are complicit in that just as much as Sony or Sean Murray or whoever. I mean, how many times do you see a trailer at the cinema and you're like, oh, this looks amazing. You go and see the movie and you're like, oh, no, that trailer didn't really tell, you know, that wasn't really an accurate representation of that film. Or even games like, hell, Watch Dogs, the original Watch Dogs, that was hyped, (laughs) that was going to be a new... You know, that was such a disappointing game, but no way did that game attract the kind of vitriol from its audience that for some reason No Man's Sky did. And I find it a really curious example, and I wonder if it's just because small studios, small guys, people like to kind of, you know, it was... These little these this little studio hit 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 a home run. They made it big. They kind of got on board with Sony, and then you kind of build. We like to build people up to tear them down, and I don't know. I think maybe that's just as much on the gaming community as it may have been on Sony trying to push this game as yeah. as much as they did. Oh yeah, we yeah. we we helped that too. So it's the gaming community can be a very vile place. Mm-hmm. I find Watch Dogs to be an interesting comparison also because there at least you've got a triple A game that had the years of development and then was to some degree disappointing. But I feel like No Man's Sky was billed as a triple A game but never was never intended the, to be. It was yeah. never intended to be, but it was sold as that because it had some interesting hooks and a you know and a nice aesthetic. Yeah. I agree. And, and I think you know, you can't blame Sean Murray and his colleagues for taking a deal when Sony come on their doorstep. You know, it's a dream come true for those guys. How many other people would be there and say, oh, no, we don't want to get on board with the big Sony machine? Yeah. And if you look at what that game probably was going to be before they had any, you know, a- a- any extra money to polish it and, and-, and build it out at the end, yeah. you know, it-, it probably would have been okay, but it would have just been sort of an indie game and people would have not had any problems with it. And it- yeah, yeah, I think it's really that that just that those expectations grew, but the game was still the game that it was before that. Absolutely. You know, it's a really well polished indie game, and compared to and any, they're still working on the game. Yeah. yeah, I haven't played it to be honest since since the big patch came out. But maybe you should jump back into it. Yeah, I'd like to. I want to. Um, but you know, I that that game epitomizes that sort of problem. You know, there are some issues with it, but I still enjoyed it, and I think a lot of the games. 
well, at least some of the games in my top ten sort of have those same issues. Uh, but I didn't have any other ones that really stuck out as clear disappointments. Right. Okay. Do you have any honorable mentions, you said? I had a couple. So I have, I have three honorable mentions. One was Firewatch that I thought was a decent game, but I don't think should come anywhere near a top ten list for Game of the Year. Really? I thought it was well told. It was an interesting, fun little thing, but, you know, I'm not going to have a a handful of pistachios, as delicious as they are, count as my favorite meal of 2016 either. Okay. I I, I liked Firewatch. I I enjoyed it. I played a bit of it after finishing it, but to me, there wasn't wasn't quite enough meat there to consider it on my top ten list. Okay. And then the other two are really, well, the other the other couple are, are really games that I I started but and liked but didn't really get to play enough of to to really evaluate them at, you know relative to the rest of the top ten list. Okay. So a couple of games like Far Cry Primal and Dark Souls three, mm. and to some degree The Witness. I kind of liked all three from what I played, but I played so little that I didn't think it was justified to put them on the list. Gotcha. Okay. Well, um, we already know you're number ten. Yeah, it's my number 10. Uh, so, just getting right into it. Sure. Uh, my number 9 kind of swings fairly wildly from No Man's Sky. It was Ratchet and Clank. Um, I thought it was quite the nice master. It was polished. It was pretty. It was tight. And oh. it was you know, it was a good game to start with. Yeah. So, I, you know, I haven't finished it, but I've enjoyed it. Along those same lines, I kind of think my number eight game, Titanfall, was a solid game. It offered up, you know, it was gorgeous, it was tight, the the campaign was fun, it really incorporated platforming that uh, I guess I was expecting by the time I played it, because it had been out a little while, but it was still a nice departure from some of the other games of that ilk. Um, yeah, so I had kind of a lot of shooters on this list. I didn't get to play some of the... I didn't get to play Battlefield 1 or Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, but by all respects, those were also good games. Uh, but the two I did play were Titanfall 2 at number 8 and Doom at number 7. Oh, yeah. So I, I'm sure that this one... This game is higher on your list than on mine. <laughs> I did like it. And to be honest, for with Doom, the more I played it, the more I liked it. Because, and I think I'd mentioned this, I started it as soon as I finished Titanfall 2, and I felt like I was on coke. Like, the game just <laughs> so fast, so chaotic. It's like ice skating, yeah. hey? Yeah. It's and so it, it, good. I, yeah. I was taken, taken aback a little bit, but, but the more I played it and settled into that rhythm, I, I did really like it. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. And it offered up, and I put it above Titanfall 2, even if it's not quite the full package that Titanfall 2 is. It was a bit different from the norm, and it was a bit, you know, it was a bit more of a unique experience for me. Yeah. Uh, number six, I have the division. Mm-hmm. There's another game maybe like No Man's Sky that's, you know, it's had some some ups and some downs, but that's another game where I would say that its ambition and its difference from some of the other shooters, it's it's got its own, it's it's got its own niche. Um, Certainly coming a, a bit more along the lines of Destiny than some of the other shooters. 
and I I enjoyed it. I had fun with it. I played with some friends, which I didn't get to do for maybe any other game on this list. Is that true? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I guess Overwatch, but the Division was really the one I played the most this year with other friends, and you know that alone kind of carved out its own spot on my top ten. Uh, number five, I have The Last Guardian. Mm. Another one that some people might find some disappointment in, and certainly it has its own, it has mm. its issues. That camera can be real rough at, at times. The rage was real. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean, it was... <laughs> it was real. I have not played it, but I have seen footage of it, and I'm like, wow, that's just a screen full of feathers right there. But I I think that its positives again vastly outweigh its its issues. Yeah, I agree with you on that one, Matt. And it it, it does seem like a nice blend of Ico and Shadow of the Colossus. It it's exactly what I basically would have expected out of Game Three. Yeah, it's emotional. I... Go ahead. No, I was going to say I can see why it took ten years to develop. Um. Because one, like you say, there's the emotional connection, but the the animation of the the Trico character is yep. just absolutely astounding. I mean, they did an incredible job. You know, the the mannerisms, the way he moves and twitches his head, it's just mm-hmm. so realistic. But also the camera, like you say, uh, I think you know, all that time probably went into animating Trico and trying to figure out a way to make the game playable. Um, I'm serious because like it, it it's just so obstructive at times. I, yeah. I think it just, it feels like they, they finally got the game to a point where it was playable and releasable and it is, but I, I feel like the camera and the controls are something that really, it, it feels to me that is something that was a big issue in development. It's, I mean, it's obvious to me in the in the finished product. Yeah, and it's interesting because those things are so jarring with sort of the yeah. the serene, tranquil atmosphere. You know, it's this this quiet, broken, decayed world that you know it's a bit poignant. You're looking out over these vistas and all these these broken spires. You know, and it's a very quiet, thoughtful game. And then the rage that it induces is just so different from that atmosphere. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, no, I agree. I mean, I have it in in, in my top 10 as well, but I, I just found it it's almost a, a, a disappointment because unlike Shadow of the Colossus, that the controls and the camera really took me out of what I think is intended to be a completely immersive experience about this kind of strengthening bond between the boy and, and Trico. Mm-hmm. And every time the camera did something janky, it pulled me right out and it, it just stopped me loving the game more than I kind of wanted to or, or should, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah w- one thing that I sort of thought more and more as I went on playing the game is how it, I, I love the fact that there's no real, there's no arrows. There's no, there's no like blatant direction in the game. Yeah. And, you know, some of that comes from, you know, the, the, the camera zooming a little bit. Some of it comes from Trico kind of looking around at things. 
some of it comes a bit through trial and error, kind of figuring out where where's this idiot going to jump next, and is it the right place that he should be jumping? Yeah. But but the more I played, actually, that was one of the things that I, I grew to like more and more was that uh, that that's one of the things that sort of kept me more in the world was that I was never being pulled out of the world to be told where to go. Yeah. And I I I very much avoided looking up where to go in this game, so. I, I don't think it's 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 a necessarily necessarily a terribly hard game to figure out where to go, but you know sometimes it can take a little while, and yeah. uh, I, that that to me did help to make it a bit more rewarding as well because I I, I avoided the urge to look up where to go and just tried to tried to really play to the game's yeah. cue. And and it it becomes easier to figure out as you go along because it does a really good job, as you say, of explaining um, how things work in that world without just literally telling you um that to me was not that was uh, as you say kind of the rewarding part of the game my only frustration with that game was the 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 camera and the controls it's just that was it everything else about it 100 percent the 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 presentation the graphics are are really good but yeah to me it's almost more the art style than the graphics themselves yeah that's sorry yeah that's a better way of putting it but yeah, I, I I really enjoyed this game. I it was probably one of my biggest question marks as I was unwrapping it to play it for the first time, just not having any idea what to expect. But uh, you, you know, for me, it, it was quite the quite the experience. Except that every time the narrator came on, I felt like I was being scolded. <laughs> you know, because sometimes when you're stuck for a little while, he'll come on and say, "Oh, maybe you should," you know, maybe. Trico is hurt because of X, Y, and Z, and that's some kind of clue. So I never really wanted to hear his voice again. But hmm. uh, number four was Final Fantasy fifteen. Hmm. Um, there's a lot that can be said about it. Uh, again, I'm, I'm probably have less to say on it than than a lot of people do because I haven't finished it. Um. Another game again. This, the, to me, that was the theme this year. Was that there, there were there were some solid strengths and there were some clear weaknesses. Yeah. And, you know, to me, just th- this world and exploring this world is, uh, you know, was was quite memorable. I'll save it. I'll I'll add my comments later for when, when, you guys eventually talk about it because I assume it'll be on at least one of your lists. Mm-hmm. Uh, it goes a little bit for number three as well, which I'm sure Drew will be talking about. Overwatch. Yeah. Um, this was another game that sort of started out lower on my list, but the more I played it, kind of along the lines of Doom, the more I played it, the more I liked it. And as I started to explore some more characters and started to get to play, to figure out the maps a bit more, it it just became more and more fun trying out different strategies and trying out different different functions on the team. Like, it, it wasn't, you know, I would say in the first first hours of playing, I never once played Reinhardt and didn't try to attack. But then later on, I'm like, well, what if I just am the shield? And I just try and stay alive. How about that? How about I try that once? Um, but there's just so many different ways I thought that you, that you can go about using these different characters that I 
there's no game on this list that I plan to play more in the future than Overwatch. There you go. Uh, number two is my latest addition to the list, mm, okay. which is Steins Gate Zero. Ooh, that's going to make Jay real happy. Um, just, I, I don't know. The, the, these, these two games are just something else for me. I have to play I'm, them. I'm, I mean, you and Jay both have talked these games up like crazy, and I think I have to play Steins Gate. It, it's funny just how much I like the first one, and then going back and getting all of the other endings, and really just how much more emotion there is to that game than even I experienced, and you know, and that was already with a pretty hard, pretty high bar because of how much I liked it. And then Steins Gate Zero, I picked up. When it came out, but I didn't want to play it until I had gotten the the true ending for the original Steins Gate. So I went through and watched the whole anime over the past couple weeks, which gets me the true ending. So on this last trip, I spent this last week in Boston, and I had my Vita with me. So I, I, I've been playing Steins Gate Zero pretty much every free minute for the last week that I can. And it's 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 different than the first. It's got a different tone. I would say is the biggest difference. But and it, and it's and it's almost got a different theme. Although that you, you get a few different, you get a few more similarities as the game goes on. But even with its sort of new focus and emotional tonal difference, because of what happened in the first game. Uh, it, it still maintains that 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 same really high level of storytelling and characterization that I just I I just haven't experienced in years, other than the first Steins Gate. Mm. I just I adore the first game, and the second one is just just as good. It seems a bit different, but good. I know Jay says it is some of the best fictional writing he's ever read in video game or book form. Yeah, and I, I struggle with that statement too because, in many ways, I would agree. And it's it's more to me that it's a it's it's a good blend. It, it's good writing, sure, but the the characters and the relationships are probably the thing that I would hold up as the biggest strength. The writing itself, and you know, maybe the logic of the universe, I would say, is very strong. But it's really the the it's really the characters for me that are just head and shoulders above any any other game I've played in years. So it's a Japanese game, obviously. Does it have does it have the goofiness that you expect in like a Japanese anime at all? Uh, the first game does. Mm -hmm. The second game is a bit more somber in tone. Okay, because you know shit happens in the first game, right? And it's very there's a lot of gravity to what happens. And the second game is interesting because it picks up almost right as the first game is ending. You can't play Steins Gate Zero without playing the first one. It would, it would, it would be a travesty okay. to do so um, because it, it's basically it's a direct continuation. Everybody's still a de learning to like cope with what happened in the first game, right? And so, w without having played the first game, this second game wouldn't make any sense. Okay. 
but the, but the first game do, is a bit maybe a bit more lighthearted, a bit more jokey. Mm-hmm. Like for, for example, just one thing. There's there's a character that people are attracted to because of how feminine she is, but she's a guy. And so there, there's one part in the first game where they just keep alternating scenes. He's so cute, but he's a guy. Uh, but he's so pretty, but he's a guy. And, it, and it, it, there's some of that some of that weirdness in the first game, much more so than in the second one, I would say. Okay. And um, number one? Just outstanding. My number one game is uh, Uncharted 4. Hmm. Um, to me, this was Uncharted perfected, and that surprised me because I wasn't all that thrilled with Uncharted 3, and I kind of thought that the formula was just stale for me. And, you know, until they did something else, Uncharted would would just be a shadow of its pinnacle, which for me was Uncharted 2. Um. I don't. I don't have a single thing to criticize about this game. Most of this list is balancing out: do the strengths overcome the weaknesses? This is a game I think that does not have a weakness. The characters are, are incredibly strong. The relationships have been built up over multiple games. Um, you know, it, it's just tighter. It's more polished. It's prettier. The, the interactions are better. There's nostalgia for the past games. It just. If this is the last Uncharted, if this is a thief's end, you know it goes out very strongly. I think. Yeah, I think even one thing that really impressed me about Uncharted Four was um, one of the big criticisms. I know you've made this criticism, um, Drew, of Naughty Dog Games um, when it comes to the actual gameplay mechanics itself. Um, it, even me, I'm a huge Uncharted fan. Even I would say, you know, from time to time, and especially in three, the gameplay can be a bit repetitive. You know, climb up this, have a gunfight climb over that have a gunfight in in uncharted 4 for me even that was was really tweaked and honed to feel part of the experience and the set piece of of whatever scene was taking place whatever chapter and and it really did a, a great job of of meshing in that gameplay which you know is at times a bit mechanical a bit repetitive they they do a great job of not drawing attention to that and and folding it in a lot more seamlessly with whatever the action set piece is. Yeah. Yeah, and that that was one of my biggest improvements. So I think a lot of the aspects of this game are just refinements to their formula. But for me, a lot of the combat scenes played out almost like a, a Far Cry light. Where you do have some options on how you want to approach it. I never really felt empowered to play stealthily before, or at least I, you know, I, I was never that good at it. Not that I am here either, because I usually try to go stealthy and halfway through it falls apart. And <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it's just a fight anyway. But but this game, I'm, I don't know if it was a bit more verticality or just the way that the the enemies sort of patrolled where I felt like at least I knew how I would want to start if I was play, trying to play stealthy, and I could usually take out two, three, four, five guys before, you know, shit goes crazy. So to, to me, that was the biggest improvement, and then everything else was just a refinement of what they've done well, and I, I, I just don't, I don't really have a single problem with this game. And, and, it, and the things that it does, 
that are sort of nostalgic are almost unexpected highlights for me. Like early in the game when when you sit on a couch and play Crash Bandicoot. Oh, so good. And they're challenging each other to a high score match in Crash Bandicoot. That's, uh, I don't know, just th- things like that or, you know, another early part in the game when you're walking through his, his attic and you've got your little basically like Nerf gun fight and he's pretending there's enemies there. He's like a little kid. Uh, I don't know. There's just there's just so many touching little moments and a lot of the character whenever, you know, whenever there's scenes with just two characters having a conversation, it just it just feels very, very grounded, very real. And uh, I, I just I thought it was a fantastic experience and a fitting end. Okay. That, so that's my, <laughs> I think good year of games. To be honest with you, it's been a great year. Um, you might not say that there's a lot of untouchable games, but th- there's a lot of bold games. Yeah. And a lot of ambitious games, and t- to me, that you know that, that that's what I'll remember probably most about 2016. And that's what's great for, I think, gaming as a whole. You know, the, there's the technological capacity there for people to really push the horizon on what a game can be and what a game can do. And, you know, sometimes it's not always successful or seen to be successful, as in the case of No Man's Sky. And then other times, you know, you, you kind of have like a groundbreaking game in something like Uncharted 4, which is pretty incredible considering it's the fourth iteration of an ongoing series. It's, it's, I think it's a really great time to be a gamer, actually. Yeah. That's very true. Well, um, I'll tell you what. Let's switch it up. Uh, we did Matt's. Now we're going to do Jason's because he sent me his list. Um, he only has five, which uh, that's, you know, he did. He doesn't have that much time to play games anymore. That's what I thought I was going to do this year. Yeah. I thought, I, like I did last year, I thought I was only going to have a top five, but as I was putting it together, I should, didn't play more games than I thought this year. Mm. So Jason's uh, top five, number five, Fire Emblem Fates, which um, if anybody's listened to the first show, Jay goes into deep detail why Fire Emblem Fates is possibly the worst idea ever. <laughs> um, he, uh, I played it. Uh, I thought the gameplay was okay. It's a Fire Emblem game. But um, Jay's right. The way they structured that game, divided it into three different games and made you buy every one of them is a load of crap. Uh, number four is Dragon Quest VII Remake. I actually played this game for review. Um, that game is really good. Uh, it's the first Dragon Quest game I've ever played. Um, but man, it takes 15 hours for that game to even start. I'm talking, you didn't even get into a battle until maybe eight hours into that game. Um, but it is a good game and it is long as crap. So you get a lot of bang for your buck there. Uh, number three, the division. Um, that's a, that's a pretty, I'll talk about that whenever I go through mine, even though I've already talked about mine before, but I'll talk about it with you guys. Uh, you're going to say it's in this divisive. What's that now? 
<laughs> Are you going to say division is divisive? Yeah, <laughs> probably. No, um, it's it's. I'll, I'll I'll get into it. I played a lot of that game. Uh, number two is Final Fantasy fifteen, and number one, Overwatch. Mm, right I didn't here. realize he was that much. Yeah, he plays on PS4. Oh, that's why. So that was Jason Gambrell, his top five of the year. Um, I'll read that off. You know what? I'll go ahead and do Dave's too. Because Dave sent uh, a, a quick text message this morning. And I said, you want me to read them off for you? He said, sure. No order. And there's here's his, here's his top. The Witness, Uncharted 4, Doom, Dishonored 2, and the most disappointing, The Division. So yeah, I guess it is very divided. Because <laughs> me and Dave and Ken played a lot of Division together. And... Uh, Dave was one of those guys who sat on the Division forums and sat on the Reddit for the Division <laughs> and just read how broken that game really is. Um, but they, I did a bit of that myself. Uh, yeah, but they, they actually they actually fixed a lot of it. Um, I have to give it to them. Yeah, I hear it. It got fixed really good on PC and then rebroken with the latest patch. Oh, good. Um, yeah. <laughs> I didn't play it on PC. I played on PS4, obviously, but yeah, yeah. I, I played on Xbox One, and um, that the patch that came out whenever they released the uh, survival DLC, um, that fixed a lot of the game. It it made better loot drops. It made things relevant again. And I was like, I totally want to jump back into this, and I will because I mean, there's still one more piece of DLC, and I got the season pass, so I'm kind of dedicated to it. Um, but it's, I don't know. I, I, like I said, I'll talk about it more, um, a little bit later, but, uh, Sophie it is now your turn. Okay. I have one game that is a notable omission from my list, which is purely because I played it for about two hours and then it just got lost in all the other games I was playing, um, which is Overwatch. Mm. So I didn't want anyone to think I was ignoring Overwatch. How dare um, you? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also I had it on PS4 and now I think if I picked it up again I'd probably switch to PC because that seems to be where most people play but yeah so that's the reason it's not on my list it's not because I thought it was a big pile of crap I just really didn't play it at all so I didn't want to kind of preface anything you know I just haven't had a chance to play it um, The Division is also not on my list I <laughs> Um, having now kind of listened to this discussion, I kind of see it as a bit of a disappointment. Um, I still went back to Destiny in 2016 um, with the Taken King and even Rise of Iron, which was a bit of a disappointment. I still found that as the place where I play the most with friends. Um, since the Taken King came out, the game itself has completely changed and I just there was just something about the division that just didn't stick for me. Mm. And I was really hyped about it and I was really into it when it first came out and then I just Yeah, lost interest. Uh my honorable mentions that didn't make the top ten. Um The Witness, really cool. Um Unravel, which was that really 
cute little platform game with the ball of yarn, Yarny, um, which wasn't really particularly brilliant in terms of his platforming gameplay, but I really quite liked the way they told the story through a family photo album. I thought it was just kind of a cool way to use nostalgia and tell a story. I found it a pretty sweet game. Um, Doom, which is on my honourable mentions because I still haven't finished that game yet and I just don't think I put enough time into it compared to my top 10 for a bit to be in there, but I'm a huge Doom fan, so I'll be playing that game for a while. And Abzu, which is just that cool little... Yeah, I really like that game. It reminded me so much of Flower, which was a game that I absolutely adored for the PS3. Me too. Um, Yeah, just a really beautiful, somber, quiet zen-like game I really have enjoyed playing that quite recently actually so my number 10 is Inside the PC just by the people who made Limbo Um, I preferred it head and shoulders above Limbo I thought it was kind of a really beautiful dystopian at times quite terrifying game not terrifying as in you know it's it's a horror, but just the, the the subject matter and the imagery involved in this kind of little boy's journey on the run. I I just thought the environments were bleak and beautiful, and the the story was just really kind of surreal and expressionist, but incredibly dark. Um, the puzzles were not particularly challenging in a sense but there was always a sense of inbuilt tension and it really kind of triggered a sense of fear the whole way through um, for the character that you're controlling. And I I thought it was one of the kind of underrated games of the year. I I really was quite struck by Inside. Number nine is... Sorry. That was one I wanted to play, but I kind of had set myself up to I have to finish Limbo first. Yeah. And I'm mired some way, somewhere like 75% of the way through Limbo and never finished it. I really recommend it. It 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 really stuck with me that game. It it's and just a yeah, I, I preferred it a lot more to Limbo, I have to be honest. It's just so creepy. But uh number 9 is No Man's Sky, which we spoke a bit about already. Um, I was into the whole concept of this game from day one, from the very first E3 presentation, and then I really didn't pay attention to any, and I'm I'm being 100% honest here, any of the marketing, any of the trailers, I didn't watch any of the YouTube videos, I didn't read any of the, we're going to do this, that, and the other. So for me personally, I got exactly the game that I expected, which was no multiplayer, you have a ship, you have some planets off you go you know and i think it's such a divisive game i think because i've spoken about it before i think as gamers we are often subconsciously reliant on some form of overarching goal or instruction in a game however loose that might be and this game really doesn't have that at all And I think beyond the first kind of five to ten hours, it really is like, what can you do as an individual to 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 enjoy this game? You know, you you literally are just left to your own devices. I kind of like this. I I found it an incredibly relaxing 
quiet game to play. I am a huge science fiction fan. You know, I love the the look of the game, the kind of 70s sci-fi art style of the game. Um, I'm totally receptive that other people have big issues with this game and and that's fine. You know, I do also think even just straight up ignoring all the stuff about the the way the game was pitched and marketed, I don't think it's a game for everybody. You know, just yeah, like absolutely. just like an RPG is not a game for everybody or, you know, Destiny is not a game for everybody. I think so much criticism of this game snowballed into a target, you know, on Sean Murray's back about what he allegedly did or didn't promise the game would have. And just, you know, I kind of have an issue with people playing the game for 40 hours, then claiming that it's not the game they expected and demanding a refund because it's not worth it. It's like, you know, I think you can tell pretty soon into No Man's Sky whether you're going to be playing it for a while or you're not. Obviously, Drew, yourself, you said you played for about five hours and then, you know, it was never put in your your, your machine again. Yep. So I didn't ask for a refund either. I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to count my losses. Yeah. Well, you know, and it, it's I, I don't have an issue with people saying, oh, look, you know, I played this game for a couple of hours and it's really not what I expected it to be. Can I have a refund? I have an issue with people playing the game for 40 hours and then going nuts that they were betrayed and you know some of the criticism that was central murray's way i think was really unfounded and unfair yeah the, the, but, the way they handled that stuff was very poor but all of that aside i i'm on, on in agreement with matt here i think the game should be recognized for what it's tried to do um and for the ambition and enthusiasm of a tiny team of developers you know, it's it's something that's never been done before. And I think as gamers who, who love the industry and creativity and experimentation, we shouldn't eviscerate a company or a game just because they tried something that maybe wasn't 100% successful in, in other people's eyes. Sometimes, you know, you, a game doesn't have to be a failure just because it doesn't succeed in everything it may be set out to do. Yeah, there can be a middle ground. Yeah. Um, number eight for me is Firewatch. Um, I thought this was a really beautiful game. The ending was weird and kind of undermined it as a whole, but yeah. I think the reason I have it in my top ten is I think the characterization and the writing and the voice acting is some of the best that I've ever heard in a game. The two actors who play the two main characters who create this relationship with each other purely over kind of the walkie-talkie system, I think those actors absolutely knocked it out of the park. And I think it's some of the most natural voice dialogue that I've ever heard in a game. And that really kept me invested in the game. And and the scenery, I think you know, it's it's beautiful, and it kind of throws you right in with some heavy emotional decisions right at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> which I also kind of liked. So, again, it's not a perfect game, and it doesn't have the perfect ending. But I think what it does well, it does exceptionally well. Um, where am I? Seven is Stellaris for PC. Mm-hmm. 
Um, probably not going to be on too many people's lists, but this was a game that I was really into. Um, I love a good strategy game. I love a good sci-fi game. I'm like civilization-ish in space. Sounds good. Um, you know, typical of a kind of paradox game. There is so much to do in this game and they do a great way of they do a great job excuse me of of creating a really comprehensive gameplay experience that's complex but accessible and the whole kind of it's almost a bit like no man's sky you have your kind of ships and your colony in space and you're 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 developing this planet and you'll just discover an anomaly in another galaxy it it's really cool i it's a strategy game that I think I'll be playing for a, a long time. Hmm. I'd like to check that out, actually. Yeah, if you can pick it up on a even in a sale, yeah, it's it's really cool. Number six for me is The Last Guardian. Um, I finished this game quite recently and had a really hard time thinking about where I was going to put it on my list. Yeah. I've it's gone up and down and up and down right up until yesterday, to be honest. Um, Shadow of the Colossus is one of my favorite games of all time. Um, but I think for the reasons we discussed when you had this on your list, Matt, mm-hmm. the, the biggest issue I had with The Last Guardian was the fact that it took me out of the story with its mechanical issues. And I think, you know, that game would have been probably in my top two if it had been a seamless experience. But unfortunately, those moments of sheer kind of like, oh, my God, no, jump that way. Or, you know, I can't see where I'm going. Just took me out of the emotional experience of the game too much for me to say, you know, it's one of the best games of the year or well, I mean, it is. It's in my top ten, but you know, it's not. It's not up there with kind of Shadow of the Colossus, or, or you know, which is kind of considered one of the best games ever. Yeah, I, the, I had a, a couple of instances where I was happy that the game wasn't worse about punishing you for that its own mistakes, mm-hmm. uh, because th- there were a number of times where I jumped and you know you basically just jumped to your death because you didn't jump the right direction yeah and i hate that feeling as he's leaping you know before anything negative has really happened and you just you know his trajectory and you know you're like well all right i I screwed that up and he's dead he's now died um but but it's not like the game punishes you by making you go back and play the last 15 or 20 minutes over again either it's i thought it was very very helpful in that and you know yeah in terms of its punishment level it was very yeah it was very, it's forgiving it's almost like it knew it, it it was at fault for a lot of those deaths yeah. uh, and again it's it's i think it just it's it's nothing to do with how it like you say it's very forgiving in terms of it doesn't make you repeat yourself too much or, or anything like that but it it took me out of the story and it took me out of my own immersion in the game you know, it just really frustrated me. But it's still a stunning game. I mean, again, it's nice to see 
a developer have the time you know i remember four or five years ago people were just like oh it just doesn't exist it's not a real game yeah never coming out in the wake of kind of recent news with the whole scale bound situation this that and the other it's kind of nice to just see it not be rushed they had the time they needed i guess to try and overcome a lot of the problems in its development and it's it's still a great game uh, number five for me is Final Fantasy XV. I was pleasantly surprised by this game, considering it too also had a bit of a extensive development background. Yeah. <laughs> um, changing name several times, and yeah, I I really really liked Fantasy XV until. I got on the boat to Altissa and it narrowed a lot for me. Um, I like the story, but I think the way in which the story is told narratively is a bit nonsensical. And I had a hard time understanding quite what was going on at some points. Um, I did watch the Kingsglaive movie and the Brotherhood YouTube series beforehand, which I think really helped me. But yeah, the, the, the pacing and the plotting of the, the story to me wasn't great. But as you were saying, Matt, so much of a theme of this year is the other aspects of the game overcame my kind of issues with that. Um, I wasn't immediately sold on the change to the fighting mechanics, but that mm-hmm. grew on me because I quite liked the, the strategy you know, the um the turn based strategy. Yeah, me too. But I, I wonder if they could ever go with sort of two types of games in Final Fantasy. Yeah. Um, more, more traditional I, yeah. one. I'm I did miss the turn based strategy. Um but at the same time there was something really satisfying at times when you kind of have your Armager thing going on and you're sacking down all these enemies and a blaze of glory. It it was fun. Um, and I really like the open world. I like the story of the four friends going on this road trip brotherhood journey together. I I thought that characters, those four individual characters were pretty well written and developed. And I, I bought into their interconnecting kind of relationships and the characterization of that. Um, yeah, and I'll, I will go back and play Final Fantasy XV. Um, now that I've finished it, I'll, I'll clear up the bits and the quests that I haven't kind of finished yet and, and play the DLC. Um, I thought the game was going to be worse than it was, and I'm glad it wasn't. It's not my favorite Final Fantasy, but you know, I think it, it's a solid game for the problems that it has. And again, I kind of applaud the ambition, to be honest. So. Mm-hmm. Number four for me is Forza Horizon 3. Ooh. Yeah, I love a good racing game. This is really good. I'm playing it on PC. Um, I haven't had too many of the issues that, you know, I know a lot of people say it's it's not a great experience on PC, but I'm, I'm enjoying it fine. Um, just a huge game, great racing experience. There's just a lot to do. It looks great. It plays great. Drew, I know you've played this game. I have. Yeah. I will, um... I'll talk about it in a minute. (laughs) Yeah. 
But I mean, for me, this is like the first Forza game that I've played, to be honest, because I was not an Xbox 360 player. I don't have an Xbox One. I'm playing it on PC. Um, I've always been a huge fan of Gran Turismo, but it reminds me most of Burnout Paradise, which was one of my favorite games ever in in terms of the genre. Certainly my racing game ever. Yeah. And it is kind of like just a bigger, better burnout paradise and yeah it's it there's just a lot there to keep keep you invested in coming back and i can see myself playing this game for a long long time it's funny i think that phrase would sell me on that game more than any anything else yeah. ever had burnout paradise well then there you go i think i think it's a fair comparison i don't know about you drew but hmm. number three for me is dark souls three uh i wish i had been able to play more of that this year yeah, I, again, I mean, it's just, it's Dark Souls. Um, last year, my game of the year was Bloodborne. Um, I think I'm a better Bloodborne player than I am a Dark Souls player. <laughs> um, and there was just, it's kind of how I describe Fallout 4, Dark, it's more of the same of Dark Souls, Dark Souls 3, which is a great thing because Dark Souls is an absolutely astounding franchise. There wasn't enough in there for me to elevate it to game of the year status, but um, I found it an incredibly engrossing game, an incredibly engrossing world, um, an incredibly punishing game, but in all the right ways. And yeah, it, it takes the Dark Souls formula and it delivers. I, I don't see how you could be disappointed in this game if you are a fan of, of the series. So if you like this family of games, you know, Demon Souls, Dark Souls, Bloodborne, where do you think this compares to the others? Um, the see, and I'm I'm a bit again, I came to Dark Souls late. Um so I played Dark Souls one and then I, I never finished it, and then I played Bloodborne and I was completely obsessed with Bloodborne. I love it. Um for me it's the best Dark Souls game that I've played, but I prefer Bloodborne. But I think that's just a personal preference. I, I, I like how Bloodborne. The emphasis on Bloodborne is more on aggression, and I think, I think it's an easier game than the Dark Souls game. And I think that's because players are naturally, I guess, inclined to be a little more aggressive in a one-on-one fight. Um, Dark Souls Three is quite punishing, um, but the boss fights in Dark Souls Three are stunning and really varied and really challenging and i needed a lot of help because i'm not a great player at dark souls but it never once made me want to be like oh i can't handle this i'm gonna quit um so for me i think i i would put it above dark souls 2 um Mm -hmm. and probably one but i didn't finish one um but for me bloodborne's my my personal favorite but it's just a different it's a slightly different game and it's a different world obviously Mm -hmm. Uh, my number. Sorry, Souls? I didn't Did play, play Demon Souls. Compare. Sorry. No, that that's that's it. Just curious yeah. if, where that. Yeah, no, fall. I never, I never played Demon Souls, so I couldn't comment on that. Demon Souls. Drew's probably. Fantastic. Drew's probably the man to comment on that. Yeah, Demon Souls for me um, was a game that like it was it was the first of its kind. Not yeah, everybody's like oh you know they had the Kingsfield stuff, but. Um, Back in, I think it was like 2007, 2008, whenever that game came out, um, 
it was this title that nobody had ever heard of. And I picked it up. I was living with my roommate at the time. And it was, and there was no fact for it. You know, like everybody nowadays, you go to, you go, you play a Souls game, you sit down with a fact and, and read where things are, what this is. Um, but with this, it was just, it was like new territory. I was like, what the fuck is this game? It's so weird. It's like, <laughs> like you die and then you're like, but you, you can't have, stop. Yeah. You're half health and now everything's really hard. And there's this weird world tendency where it's pure white and everything's easier, but the loot drops are crap. And, and then it's like pure dark. And I was like, what is this? It, it's so strange, but it was this, it was a wonderful collaboration with like my roommates and my friends who were all playing this game at the same time. We were all talking about like what we were doing. How did we handle this boss? How did we do this? Where do we go next? And it was, it was this really good, almost like a, uh, it, it was a weird co-op game, but you weren't playing with each other. It was yeah. like you were, you were talking about strategies and stuff like that and you tried it out yourself and, Man, there was something remind- really special about Demon Souls. It reminds me, like a lot of these, get, like the the whole the series, you know, that this genre, I suppose. It reminds me of when you're a kid and you go with some friends to a friend's house, and there's one console and one yeah. person's playing a game, and you're all kind of like, "Oh, try that," or "Go there," or "Try that." I remember doing that with Resident Evil back in the day on like my friend's PlayStation, and a couple of us would just go to his house and we'd put the disc in, and we, you know, we'd just sit and watch one of us play and we'd take turns and we'd try out different strategies and it 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 reminds me of that you know it's it's so punishing and it's so much about trial and error yeah but it's so rewarding and i think one of the the the, it's beautiful as well dark souls 3 like the um ithril i think it is that kind of city that icy kind of bridge and stunning game the art direction as well i have not played dark souls 3 i I'd never, no! yeah, I haven't finished Dark Souls 2, and I want to finish that first, and then I want to play Bloodborne. I mean, I've played a lot of Bloodborne, but I didn't finish it, and I'm like, I don't need to get another Souls game before I beat these <laughs> other ones, so I just yeah, kind of uh, just put that on the back burner. If Bloodborne 2 is a thing this year, then yeah, that's that'll be hype is real for me territory. So number two for me is Civilization 6. Mm. which is just kind of the best of civilization refined and made better other than the presentation, which I really didn't like because it looks kind of like a mobile game, I guess, or cell phone. Game. <laughs> it looks like they Clash made, of Clans or something. It's they they just... didn't make the characters like overly large and kind of goofy. Like, I'm like, what is this? But, um, the actual content of the game, yeah, another one that I will be playing a lot of. I mean, if you haven't played a Civilization game by now, I, I don't know what else I could do to sell you on it. But I, I never um, have. It they're just so addictive. Yeah. I mean, I recently got a friend of mine this past year. I, I told him to pick up Civilization Five. I think it was five pounds on sale in Steam, and he's like, ah. and then yeah, he was he's now deep into addiction levels of civilization it's just so easy to pick up and then you don't even realize how invested and immersed and obsessed you are with the game until you're kind of like right i've got to stop and and you just don't you just carry on and on and on it's just turn-based gaming and strategy gaming at its absolute best yeah i i mean it's 
fantastic. Like Civilization, the, the genre is considered a 4X game. Um, and if you sit down and play Civilization, you'll say, wow, this is a great game. And then you were like, well, let me try other games in this genre. And none of them ever match up to Civilization because Civilization is like the best. It's the Mac Daddy. Yeah. I, I think the only 4X game I ever played was Sins of a Solar Empire. Yeah, is this is. I th- yeah, it's a strategy game. I don't know if it's. I haven't played much of that game, but. I mean, if you like. It's just the best of everything, right? You know, the the technology trees, you kind of go through different ages in history. Um, the unique um, units you get with each civilization, you know, be it, you know, you're playing as the Americans or the ancient Greeks or the Egyptians. It's just, it makes you want to just try everything and do things differently and go for different victories i mean you can win a game by wiping everyone out you can win a game through scientific discoveries there's just so many different ways to play the game um which just gives it just unparalleled depth in strategy gaming in my opinion yeah and but in an accessible way you know it doesn't punish you for being a new player like it's it's easy to get into I um one of the the craziest things I ever had while I was as a gamer was um when I purchased Civilization 5 I got it uh kind of cheap and uh I wanted to boot it up just to see if it would run on my computer because I didn't have a, a beefed up PC at the time and it booted up and I played a little bit of it and um I started probably about eight o'clock at night and then, uh, just, you know, just messed around with it a little bit. And then I turned it off and walked into the living room, uh, of the, uh, my roommate's place. And Alan was like, where the hell have you been? And I was like, what are you talking about? It's fucking 2 a.m. And I'm yeah, just it, like, what? I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, I, I just, I thought I sat down just to check it out. Yeah, and I, just one I more sat, turn. Yeah, I, I sat down for six fucking hours and nonstop played that game, and I was just like, "Wow, okay, that's kind of crazy." And that I mean, you, could, you yeah. could justify buying a PC and only play Civilization, and the the investment of the PC would be worth it. Yeah, it, it yeah, I don't know, Matt. You need to you need to get on board. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's if if you're ever interested in those kind of games. Even if you're not interested in that game, like you don't think you would be, you sit down and play it. You, you, you it can turn a lot of people. I'll put it that way. Yeah. It, so it, how does four to five then? If I if one was to start, well, I I five. What what makes six so impressive to me is that for me five is one of the best strategy games ever, in and of itself. Um and. Six just does a great job of not trying to reinvent the wheel, but making some key kind of changes to the gameplay and the mechanics that just make it feel like a new game to get to grips with, but they don't mess with the system too much, if that makes sense. I mean, five you can pick up for for a really cheap now, and it's a great, great game, Mm -hmm. A, a great game. And, and six is just more of the same, but 
better in my opinion yeah, you know refined. it changes things yeah yeah and it changes things you know um like the technology trees and it just opens things up to i guess for players to be it's it's just different you can you can win in different ways even with the same civilization and there's a whole new kind of aspect on the planning of cities and expanding your cities in civilization six which isn't present in five which again just kind of feels like it should have been there all along yeah um and and that's what makes the game great to me is that they add these changes and implement them so effectively it doesn't it doesn't change anything in terms of how the the accessibility is for new players and it doesn't kind of put off hardened civilization veterans by kind of ruining what was already a great experience and i think that's a really difficult thing to do for a franchise that's been around for what 25 years oh yeah long time you know to still make a game that is so fresh and so good i I mean there aren't many franchises that have stood the test of time that way and i think again it should be you know i applaud it for that as much as anything else the um the soundtrack i have to say the soundtrack for Civilization Six is amazing. Yep. Oh my god, the music is so fantastic. It's just, yeah, it's it's just a great, accomplished, deep game that will give you hundreds and hundreds of hours of fun. So yeah, you can pick up Five, Matt. I would wreck that's a great starting point. You know, if you're not sure if it's your thing, I know Five is often in the Steam sale, and you can get it for a great deal now um i yeah for sure and my number one game which i of all the games on my list this last year i kind of flip-flopped on my number one and i didn't know where i was going this year i was you know my number one was locked in from when i finished the game i was like i'm not sure you know this is this is going to be it for me um and it was the rest of the list where i was kind of flip-flopping games but yeah, the best game I played this year by far was Uncharted 4, A Thief's End. Mm. Um, for all of the reason Matt says, um, Uncharted 2 for me is one of the best games ever. I didn't think there would ever be something that rivaled Uncharted 2, um, especially because 3, I wouldn't say it was a misstep, but it was underwhelming compared to 1 and 2. But 4 is just a great conclusion to a story the the writing the set pieces it it it, i was so sad when i finished this game because it was kind of like i felt a little bereft that these characters you know the the story that we'd followed with these characters was over and it wasn't that it was a you know i thought it was a beautiful ending the perfect ending to, to this series and this story but yeah, I, I think it's a testament to the franchise that over the years, you know, as a player, I've, I've grown so attached to these characters. You know, they're so sincere. They're so well written, you know, and, and all the other things that Uncharted does well, obviously, the huge cinematic set pieces. Um, yeah, it's just a great story and the appropriate, perfect end um but yeah, it was it was like reaching the end of a, a beloved TV series or a book. You know, it was bittersweet. Yeah, completely agreed. Very nice. And that's it. 
Okay. Well, um, <clears throat> I will go over mine really quick. Um, I obviously am not going to get as in-depth as I did on the first show. But uh, I will uh, just kind of knock them out here. I've got to bring it up. Game of the Year 2016. I have I, I keep all the lists on a Me too. Google Doc. So here we go. Uh, honorable mentions: World of Final Fantasy, um, Severed, uh, and a game that uh, Sophie you mentioned. Um, uh, the uh, dialogue being very genuine in Firewatch. Uh, another game that has very genuine dialogue would be Oxenfree, if you ever played yeah. that. I've seen it crop up. I've not played it, but it's... they. It's like I said on the other show. It feels like they sat down a bunch of voice actors and gave them lines and said, okay, just read it off. And they read it off. It's like, and I'm like, well, I fucked up that line. You want me to do it again? Like, no, no, just leave it in. Because it, these people, they'll, like, they stammer over their words. They, they, it sounds genuine. You know, like in, yeah. in a regular video game, you, you have perfect lines. Everybody says something in a certain way. And this one, they kind of, you know, like, what's going on? Kind of like, like that. And it, and it feels real kind of thing. And it's, yeah. it's actually got a really weird story to it. It's very strange. Um, me and my girlfriend actually sat down and played that together and we both genuinely enjoyed it. And she doesn't really play video games at all. Um, but it's a really, really cool game, and it has a great soundtrack. It sounds like this weird 80s synth, kind of like, um, I said, like Stranger a, Things, kind of. Yeah, Stranger Things, John Carpenter kind of sounding soundtrack. Cool. Really, really cool soundtrack. Uh, Final Fantasy 15. I did not put enough time into it. I've put more time into it since our last recording. Um, but, uh, I, I didn't want to put it in my top 10 because I just haven't played enough of it. Uh, another honorable mention is Hugh, uh, which, uh, a lot of people kind of skipped over and truth be told, I can see why it's another indie platformer with a art style. Um, but this one's actually really good. Uh, it, uh, I reviewed it and it has some really interesting and challenging puzzles using colors. Um, and I highly suggest it to people. So like, if you liked Limbo or Inside, this is kind of in the same vein. I wouldn't say it is as dark as those games are, but as far as gameplay mechanics go, um, I'd say it's a little bit more challenging than those games. Um, but it's very interesting. And then the last one I'll mention is Mar Paper Mario Color Splash, um, which I I really, really like the dialogue in that game. It's genuinely funny. Um, the combat is probably the weakest point of that game um, because it just feels useless. Uh, but the exploration, uh, the levels, the design, the the dialogue is fantastic in that game. Um, top 10. Uh, number 10 is Monster Hunter Generations. I uh, mean, Jay played a lot of hours of that game together. Um, Monster Hunter is one of those just, it's going to be good kind of thing. Yep. Uh, number 9, XCOM 2, which I'm surprised nobody else talked about. Haven't played it. Mm. Uh, it's... Another one of those games where it feels great when stuff goes your way, but when it doesn't, it feels devastating. <laughs> it's one of those games that I envision myself getting two or three years after release, yeah. you know, on sale, being, oh, great game, but not, yeah. Yeah, it's it's one of those punishing games, but 
I don't know. It's addicting in its own right. I put a little time in the first one and liked it, but haven't touched the second one. Yeah. It's uh it's a different I mean it has XCOM in it, but it's it's a it feels a little different um as far as like the whole meta game goes. Uh number eight is the witness. I played a lot of this game and it intrigued the living hell out of me. Um just the fact that you're drawing a line from point A to point B and how complex that can be mixed in mm-hmm. with like just the environmental puzzles and the world itself is just yeah so interesting. I mean, I, I it didn't break into my top 10 because I didn't, again, I don't think I played enough of it, but I mean, that is a really, it feels incredible to, to play. I don't know how to express it, but it's it's like an island where everything, you know, everything means something, and you don't even yeah, yeah you don't even realize until you kind of start playing it for four or five hours, like exactly, you, you go back and you think, oh shoot, you know that's it all fits together so well. It it's an incredible piece of game design yeah. for sure. Uh, my number seven is Forza Horizon Three. Um, like you said, Sophie, this is the closest game I'll ever get to Burnout Paradise. Um, and it's really good. It's, it looks amazing. It plays fantastic. It's, it's, it's just a really, really good solid racing game. Um, and like, yes, sometimes that's hard to come by. I've played a good amount mm-hmm. of racing games and, whew, especially the arcade ones, but, yeah, yeah, it's it's a really really great game. I suggest it to anybody who remotely likes racing games. Uh, number six is Civilization Six. Um, I I can't stress enough how good that game is. Um, I you know it, it's one of those games where you just lose the hours. It's it's you know you, you'll do a strategy, go for a certain type of win, whether it be you know completely all war taking out all the guys or trying to make it to uh was it alpha centauri is that the name of it yeah with the science it's it's one of those games where you set a goal and then see if you can make it and if you can't make it then you have other options to go for other goals as well so you're never down and out until the very end of the game um and i just absolutely love that game and I, I plan to play a lot more of it. Me too. Oh yeah, I'm going to get into the mods as well because it's like the mod support for Civilization and Stellaris. I recommend Stellaris to you, Drew, if you um you like that sort of thing. Right. I that's one that I had my eye on because I know you reviewed it and I read it and I was like, hmm, this sounds like a game for me. But yeah, um, I it, just I think it's. It's definitely one you can lose a lot of time into, and there's a lot of comparisons to Civilization, um, but it's a unique game in its own right. You know, the whole kind of space exploration thing. Like, if you're into that sort of thing, I think you'll get a lot of time out of it, and it's definitely worth a look if you can, especially if it crops up in a sale or something like that. I really recommend it. I think you'll like it. All right, I'll keep that in mind. Uh, number five, and a game that nobody's talked about except for me and Ken for some reason. Uh, Stories, The Path of Destinies. This game was free on PlayStation Plus uh, last month. 
Um, hopefully everybody picked that game up because I think that is absolutely fantastic. It's, it's a very unique game. Has a combat similar to like Batman series. Um, mm. but it, the way it tells its story is really well done. Uh, you can beat the story in probably an hour and a half, but there's so many branching paths that you have to get all the endings and there's like 15 different endings in the game. It's so good. And it just, it, it has so much charm to it. And I really suggest that to everybody. Um, especially if you got it for free. Uh, number four is the division. I played the living crap out of this game and it had its ups and downs and it still has its ups and downs, but it kind of rekindled that destiny feel for me, uh, especially with playing with friends. Because me, Ken, Dave, and, and Justin Testa played a lot of that game together. And um, their DLC has been consistently good. Um, they're trying. I, I, like That's one thing I have to give them is that they're at least trying to make this right. Um, unlike some other developers who just like, eh, we're just gonna leave it like it is, or, you know, or, or, or worried about getting money out of you. You know, they, they delayed their DLC to fix the game and stuff like that, so it's appreciated, at least to me. Uh, number three is Doom. Uh, a lot of people haven't talked about it this show, but I will talk about it here. That is one of the best first-person shooters I've played in a long time. I think just the the combat is so visceral and so satisfying. I played on a harder difficulty, um, which was a dumb idea on my part. <laughs> but it gave me that sense of this is a challenge. You have to overcome it. And when you do, it feels so good. And I enjoyed every minute of Doom. There's just something about I don't know, it's just it's something about just seeing that arena, getting prepared, knowing where to go, and then executing it perfectly. Um, it just feels so good. And it's one of the fastest first person shooters I've ever played. Yeah, it's crazy fast. Yeah. Um but uh, yeah, I, I highly suggest Doom to anybody who enjoys first-person shooters remotely. Um, and number two, uh, which is kind of the complete opposite of Doom, Ratchet and Clank. Uh, I absolutely adore this game. I think it's it's a fun, simple title. Uh, it has um, some really good dialogue. It looks gorgeous, and it was such a breath of fresh air from me playing a bunch of you know violent killing games. That I went to play this Charm. this charming, goofy Ratchet and Clank game. Yep, and um, it's it's just really fun. I mean, they they have that that kind of keep on going kind of feel to it with collecting all the cards, getting you know leveling up your weapons and stuff like that. And there's just some really fun exploration stuff in there. You know, you go you go back to different planets after you get certain items, so it has kind of like that Metroid feel to it. Um, but it's absolutely fantastic. I really enjoyed the game, and it was at a budget price. A lot of people don't remember that, but that was a cheaper game when it came out. Uh, and my number one, which is very obvious, it's Overwatch. Uh, I put 
150 hours in Overwatch so far. Um, I mean, we've talked that game to death, and everybody... It seems like everybody loves to hate on that game because it's so popular. Um, but there's a reason why it's so popular. It's because it's really good. Um, the characters feel balanced, for the most part. I think that new update with um, Symmetra is... Whew, they made her a little too good. But um, it it got me back into first person shooters. I I Blizzard has some sort of magic when it comes to their genre. You know, I never could get into a MOBA. Then I played Heroes of the Storm, became my favorite game of last year. I I got out of first person shooters, started playing Overwatch. I'm I'm addicted to that game. I play it every single day. And Overwatch is just, I mean, it's just, it's a really well-made game. Um, it, I like the art style of it. The, the, the presentation is really what makes it. Cause you know, like when you, you beat, beat a, a match, you finish a match, it gives you like the play of the game and it shows somebody doing a really cool move or something like that. And it, it just, it, it rewards players for not only playing well, but also playing as a team. And if you don't play as a team, you're screwed. And the the way they kind of force people to work together is really what makes that game special. Because when you have a team doing exactly what they need to do, everybody's doing their role playing it correctly, it feels so good. And by far, that is my favorite game of the year. I think Overwatch is, is a game that anybody can pick up and play. And I, it just it just stays with you. Do you know how much you think you played it this year? Uh, last year? Uh, probably around 100 and... I think my clock's at around 140 hours. So, I mean, yeah, around in there. Over 100 hours. Right now, right there, I think. What's that now? I said that should tell the tale right there. I, I yeah. doubt there's any... Yeah, healthy. Hours into yeah, I mean, I played a lot of the, of uh, division too. I put well over a hundred hours in a division. I think at least eighty. Um, hmm. but yeah, no, nah, Overwatch is just it, and it's so simple. You know, you're doing the exact same maps, you're doing the exact same objectives with the same characters, but every game is different. It's it's so weird how they got that fine balance to get everything just perfect. And they have done a fantastic job with it. The support is great. They said, first off, when you buy the game, any character we release, any new map will be free. Um, it's Blizzard is the company of of the year. I mean, they they they're, they're the company of the year every year. They just they know yeah. how to make a quality game. Exactly. For, for me, it's it's been it's been Naughty Dog and it's been Blizzard that have been the two companies that have just been consistent for years. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but that's, that's my, uh, my top 10. Uh, there was, uh, obviously two, um, two very big disappointments for me. Uh, we've touched on no man's sky. That was one of them. Uh, the other one that nobody has talked about was street fighter five. Oh yeah. I mean, that was just like, 
I didn't play it, so that's the level of disappointment. Yeah. I have it still. I have the game still on my shelf because I um. I mean, I'm not a big. I'm not a Street Fighter player the way you are, Drew. But I'm like a casual fan of Street Fighter. And I picked this game up, and then like, oh yeah, there's no single player. Yeah. Like, okay, well, I guess I'll just leave it in the box until whenever that came out. What was it, August or something like that? Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about how. No Man's Sky is a disappointment because of the things that weren't in it. I mean, like, night and day for me for something like Street Fighter. I mean, I don't know how you can release a game, a AAA game, in in the state that that game was released. Yeah. I mean, this is Capcom's flagship title. I think it was really bad form from Capcom to release that game the way they did. I mean, with preview stories or whatever for the characters, they were like 10 minutes long, weren't they, or something? Yeah. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I was gonna, for that exact same reason, it's like they wanted me not to buy it. Yeah. Because I, I was, I, I'm probably in your same boat. I certainly am not playing it as much as Drew, but I, I, I enjoy Street Fighter, Street Fighter and Tekken. Um, I'm always looking forward to the new releases. I played a whole lot of Super Street Fighter 4. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm a, I'm a Mortal Kombat fan, and when you compare mm-hmm. Street Fighter V to the the most recent Mortal Kombat game, I mean the content comparisons just it's a joke night day. It's I mean it was a joke. I mean you must have felt gutted, Drew, as like obviously you know you're a hardcore Street Fighter guy. Yeah, because I, I was ready to be playing that with you day one. Yeah, and... I wanted to play Street Fighter, and then they basically said the game's not done. Just like you mentioned, Sophie, oh, I, I guess I'll pick it up then once it's done and once the single player's in it. By the time that happened, nobody was thinking about Street Fighter V anymore, and it just never nope. happened. Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing is, like, I got the game for review. Um, I was totally down. I was so ready. You know, we got it a couple of days before it released, and I, I looked at the main menu. I'm like, where is everything? I said, like, maybe they'll, they'll release it in the first, you know, day one they- patch or something. No, it never came. Yeah. For months, for months, there was no way to fight the AI in a standard three-round match. There was even no, training, yeah, right? No, yeah. The, I mean, there was training. There was a training mode, but it was just you like setting up a dummy. I was just yeah. like, "Where's where's the challenge mode that teaches you what the abilities are? Where's the you know?" Th- there was parts of that game. Like the 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 V trigger blowback, where you could use some of your uh your your V skill, like your V trigger gauge, to basically knock a person back who's got you in a corner. It, I didn't even know that it existed in the game because it didn't tell you. I was like, why? I mean, I think. Go ahead, go ahead. I was just I was like an embarrassment, and again, not to compare No Man's Sky and Street Fighter Five because they are obviously completely different games. But if we're gonna drag no man's sky over the coals for being released in a you know this isn't what was what you know it's lacking content what's in it was not what was promised this that and the other and you want to compare it to street fighter 5 which i mean it's a joke i mean and i i had literally forgotten about the existence of street fighter 5 until you mentioned it and that says it all really i mean i genuinely I, i forgot it even existed and that's shocking to me Oh, I definitely didn't forget it existed because that was my franchise. You know, that's like, yeah. it's like I said on the last show, I am a fighting game fan that doesn't have a home now. And I just, 
it, it saddens me to see Street Fighter in that state. I mean, that's Capcom's flagship title. I mean, that's when you think Capcom, you think Resident Evil, Mega Man, and Street Fighter. And holy crap, two of those are gone now. I mean, I don't know what your kind of take on. I mean, some of the stuff I was reading about Street Fighter Five is they wanted to get it out for the competitive. They did. Um, scene and I don't know. Like, was it worth it? It surely like there is for every guy who like yourself who who has played Street Fighter and plays it. You know, I mean, I know you used to play it competitively. I mean, there's a casual fan like myself and, and Matt who would just, you know, I've followed the franchise since the 16-bit days, and I'm going to pick it up because it's a classic franchise, and I enjoy the characters, they're familiar with me, but what a joke. I feel like 4 was a revelation, so I, I was primed. You know, 4 was good, Super, you know, Super Street Fighter 4 was great, you know, I'm ready, bring on 5, I'm, I'm in, I'm back into it. And then, Nothing. Literally nothing. That's just. <laughs> I mean, I'll give credit where credit's due. Street Fighter Five, the fighting and the mechanics in that game are good. They are really good. It's a good yeah, Street hit, Fighter yeah. game. It's just everything wrapped around that fighting game itself is bad, or it was yeah. bad. See, that's the thing. Is like you you said it perfectly when you know. When that game came out, that's when everybody wanted to play it. Now that they have it to where everybody can play it, nobody wants to play it anymore. I was going to say, you don't get second chances. Yeah. And no. I'm, I, I I can't believe I'm saying that I will probably never go back to Street Fighter Five. I can't believe I'm saying that. No, I know. That's crazy as well. I mean, and now I would seriously, myself, someone who would pick up a Street Fighter game probably on release even if I'm not like a hardcore just because it's a great franchise it's a historic franchise um, there's no way that I will buy the next one on release just not a chance 100% I, I think surely the guy at Capcom won't do that again but yeah yeah. I just don't know how you how do you decide like in the boardroom like, yep, yeah, this is what we're going to go with on day one. I guess they thought they had a lot more tournament players that were going to buy this game than they had. You know, I think that they said like, it was around like 80,000 copies were sold of Street Fighter V. And I'm just like, because that's you're catering to the tournament players who, I mean, you can count all those at Evo. I mean, I, like, that's a niche audience. Yeah, though. I mean, that's a very niche audience. Um, they released that game... Because early, because they want to get ready for Capcom Cup, and the the problem is, is that you have a small base of people that want to play that game right then and there. The issue is, is that for the casual players, even the online was broken. Like for for at least three weeks, it was almost impossible to get into a game online. And I was just like, well, this what is was, stupid. What about matchmaking? Like. You know, if you and Matt just wanted to match, was there matchmaking between like friend lobbies? There was, but I mean, the online itself, like it was, it, like it, it would randomly drop people. Uh, sometimes I would send Ken messages, like on the Street Fighter itself. See, see, they had their own proprietary little invite system. You had to make your own weird Street Fighter gamer tag because you, you know you had to play against people on PS4 and PC. And um, 
it was like I'd send Ken a message to invite him to my party to play, and he's like, I haven't got any of those messages. It was just because it, it was like their online was just broken. And it, it was one of those games where you had to stay online. And like I literally watched a stream of a fighting game tournament where th- the the online service went down. And during a fight, during the tournament, it sent them back to the main menu. So it was worth it then for I guess, Capcom I guess. to release it for the tournament and then only to have the whole thing fall apart at the tournament. Yeah, it's it's bad. I, I, I can't tell you how that game is now because I have not booed that game up since, God, it was maybe June. I doubt it. I, no, it's just, yeah. you've just blown my mind because I, yeah, it was just, I'd forgotten about it completely, yeah. that it was a game that came out this year. Yep. Unfortunately, I, I hate to say that, but uh, maybe Resident Evil 7 will be good. Fingers yeah, crossed. So. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, but I, Ken, uh, forward me multiple emails from people giving their top 10 games as well. And I'm going to read them off. Um, let's see here. I have an email from Anthony. Uh, he says, uh, Hey, N4G crew. Just wanted to thank you all for being the great, uh, podcast, uh, for all the great podcasts and reviews. Uh, been, uh, been a year of listening to you now. And you've become my go-to gaming podcast. Hell, I'm the guy who made Drew's Captain Google Twitter picture. <laughs> <laughs> so you know I'm at least a, a bit invested in the podcast. All right, so here's my list that no one asked for, but I sent it anyway. <laughs> uh, but first, my disappointments. Number one, Watch Dogs 2. I loved Watch Dogs. I fucking loved the atmosphere, the revenge tale, the noir Story beats, the con, this can't read here, the conspiracy, it was good. Sure, Aiden was unlikable, but honestly, you shouldn't fall in love with the guy who starts the game off robbing a casino, which leads to his niece being killed. But the gameplay stood out to me. The big mousetrap, the board game, uh, type loop where you set, uh, you set a guy up to die to make it through an area without combat or to hack something remotely by using a guard's chest cam was fun. Invasions uh, were uh, panic-inducing, uh, but a nice challenge of wits against another player. Watch Dogs 2 has me driving around a drone and an RC car and nearly every mission uh, can be solved this way. And thank God, because combat is ab- abysmal. Plus, guns don't make any sense because Marcus is a nice guy. Who does who does kill someone for revenge, which should have been a bigger scene, but wasn't. And multiplayer is broken in a favor of the person being invaded due to drones being able to spot invaders easily. Man, I was so excited and driving was much better, which is pointless because you can just fast travel basically anywhere. And the characters were more likable. The gameplay was just boring. It's the epitome of Ubisoft open world trash and people didn't notice because at the time, because this time there was no towers to climb. Instead, there was dead sec merch to buy at ubiworks.com. Boo. And to be clear, I platinum this game. Woo. Wow. <laughs> Just goes to show though, like everyone's got their own kind of subjective opinion. You know, most people I would say like just reading around say like oh Watch Dogs 2 so much better than the first Watch Dogs yep. I didn't really like the first Watch Dogs but you know everyone's 
it's all subjective at the end of the day, hey? People like what they like. Exactly. Uh, n- next disappointment, No Man's Sky. It's been said, I want my $90 back. Yes, it costs seventy nine ninety nine before tax in Canada. That That's it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Witness. I like puzzle games, but stop playing The Witness. I think I hate it. It just kept adding new things t- into the equation, and I couldn't keep track of them. I just kept getting more complex mechanically, which isn't the way I uh, to make something harder. Tetris, Picross, Portal, Good Point and Click Adventures. The mechanics are always simple, but in The Witness, it starts off with a line, then separating white and black, then puzzle pieces, and watching the environment and learning how to move on to the pieces to do lines. It felt obtuse for no other reason than to be obtuse, and while it's not a missed clone itself, this is why people stop playing missed clones in the first place. And quite honestly, after hearing about some of the stuff Braid did, I feel like Jonathan Blow just makes up two puzzles to feel smarter than everyone else. <laughs> but a smart person would have put a warning on for colorblind and hearing impaired people on the store page so people don't buy it when and wonder why they get stuck. I had a friend question buying buying it who's colorblind, and I had to tell him he would not be able to distinguish some of the puzzles due to it. Hmm. You know, that's something we don't ever think about. Yeah. Good point. Um, now to the list. Number 10, Ratchet and Clank. All my complaints for this game are pretty nonsense that it doesn't include, or petty nonsense that doesn't include everything from the original game. I do wish this game did a bit more humor, but I like what humor it did have. Plus, they improved upon the gameplay upgrades made by Into the Nexus, uh, which no one seems to have played, but was quite good. Also, this might be the best-looking game ever. Uh, number it nine. Is yeah, it is. It is. Man, it's so good. Now, here the PS4 Pro makes it look even better. Yeah, it is even. It's, it's sharper. Uh, number nine is Quantum Break. Uh, despite the sci-fi production-level live-action segments, I liked where this plot was going. The gameplay was neat, with Remedy once again playing the time mechanics. But like other Remedy games, this won't get a sequel, which is disappointing, especially due to the open ending. But Remedy doesn't make bad games, and this doesn't change that fact. Number eight, Enter the Gungeon, a roguelike that was uh, visible pro- that has visible progression as well as functional progression. A good running gag of everything having a gun aesthetic, and it's and is just a really good twin stick shooter bullet hell. I love this title. I wish it was on the Vita. Number seven, Stories, The Path of Destinies. I only bought and played this because of Drew and Ken, and they've pretty much covered it all. But boy, when you get the fully upgraded and, uh, when you get fully upgraded and perfect parry someone, so time stops, and there's this cool light effect all around, and you're dashing in milliseconds across the area to attack the next guy, this game makes you feel badass. Platinum this game in a weekend, and I can say that it was worth getting every single story. I really hope to see more from this dev and hopefully of these characters and art design as well. Number six, Picross 3D Round 2. Picross is my puzzle game of choice, and I think Picross 3D on DS is probably the pinnacle of the Picross series, but Round 2 added a new dual-color puzzle system, which was just enough to make the puzzles slightly more challenging, but simple enough to understand. I'm just really glad Picross 3D got a sequel, at one point, I thought I had finished this game at uh, 
at one point I thought I had finished this game at one point because the credits rolled, then added about a hundred or so more puzzles. It is a, a game filled to the brim with puzzles, and I and a difficulty setting means everyone of any skill can play. Uh, oof, man, I'm reading this wrong. Any skill level can play this one, unlike the first game. Number five, Inside. I'll keep it short. I like the look, the sound, the gameplay. It's very much a modern day, an, another world slash out of this world, and it's just as scary at times. Plus, the small details in this game really do put this in another league of game design, as much as I prefer this over Limbo. And I much prefer this over Limbo, excuse me. Me too. Number four, Dragon Quest Builders. You've got Legend of Zelda in my Minecraft and coded it with Dragon Quest. Number three, <laughs> Doom. Yep, it's all been said on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Number two, Titanfall 2. Man, this game consistently made me say I want a game of just this before throwing me into a new unique scenario and none of them overstayed their welcome. Everything in this game is like butter and goddamn the writing is good. I suck at this game and I completely know it's me and I do not care because it's so much fun. And the fact that I end up caring about characters, especially B, specifically BT, is surprising because I honestly thought people were just overreacting to the game's story. No, it's actually great, but nothing won me over more than the thumbs up scene. I laughed and clapped my hands like an idiot because it was such a great moment. I'm totally fine with never being great at Titanfall 2 because Titanfall 2's greatness totally covers up for my inadequacy. Number one, Final Fantasy 15. 170 hours, don't lie. Wow. Yeah. I was certain this was my game of the year right up until I did the post-game stuff, and the game got boring and glitchy, which made it drop to, like, my sixth. And I've talked to Jay about this game quite a bit on Twitter because of me loving, then hating the game. It has flaws, most games do, but to me this game is huge coming from Square. Uh, look at the mess Kingdom Hearts is and realize that this game avoided the convoluted nature of every Final Fantasy related game since 7 and that's impressive. Sure, it has its issues in its story like expecting you to, to care about characters you barely know or not fully explaining a plot point or its game mechanics for that matter but it fully convinces you that the four main characters are people that genuinely care for one another and are very different people. I got emotional yeah. twice while playing this game. Uh, the first is, ooh. Spoiler. Is it the end of chapter nine? I don't, I'll put, he, he doesn't actually go into it. He says the first scene is after Leviathan and the second is post credit yeah, yeah, yeah. scene. Uh, yeah, the, I got, I, I did get a bit emotional at both those points too. Yeah, We're uh, only human. Yeah, they said and those two scenes alone convince me that Square can actually make a decent story because the story is not stopping the bad guy or getting revenge, but three friends who stand by you. Noctis though through thick and thin, and honestly, I brought it brought me back to the memories of Final Fantasy VI, the best Final Fantasy. Where people care yeah, I don't believe you. Uh, where people care uh for each other genuinely. I've been tired of the melodramatic grabs at the heartstrings from Square since Final Fantasy VII because lamenting someone's death isn't the job of the character but of the player. Characters can 
uh, and should feel things. But if the writers don't have writers have done their jobs, they don't have to because I will. When characters in 15 got hurt, I felt bad because I felt I had failed them because they felt like people. Anyways, the plot could have uh, been the search for Orsifus? Orsifus? Uh And I, I don't know, the search could have been for Orsifus, and I would have been happy with that. Also, the gameplay was great, and I felt, uh, and it really felt, and, ooh, wow. I can't read today. Also, the gameplay was great, and really, I felt every mission and hunt was fantastic. The questioning of... Uh, crap, I lost my place. I scrolled too fast. The questioning of my love for Final Fantasy XV came from four things. How hard it is to get AP until the free DLC, the physics of jumping, and the dungeon um, Pitoruses? I don't know what that is. P-I-T-I-O-S-S apostrophe S. Mead. Uh, uses of them. The post-dungeon areas that are literally just floor by floor fighting with unflinching damage sponge enemies and the glitchiness and letdown of Adam Mantois. As well yeah. as, okay, as well as having to do it twice. These really are minor complaints when uh, these would have started about 150 hours in. Some of the final perspective, uh, some final perspective Final Fantasy 15 made me love RPGs again. That's huge as I stopped playing them. Now I can't wait for Near Automata. Autom, Autotom, Autom, I don't know how you pronounce that. I thought it was Automata. Autom, Automata? And I have Final Fantasy Type Zero to go back and try. And hell, I'm even giving Kingdom Hearts a chance. And maybe Trials, or Trails, excuse me, Trials. God damn, we st we're still doing it. We're still doing it. We're still saying well, I trials. want a new Trials game, though. I want a new Trials game. Yeah. That'd be good. <laughs> trials of Cold Steel. Uh, but, uh, and maybe a new Trails, but I don't know yet. That's, yeah, that's what I meant. But I wouldn't have thought about that had it not been for Final Fantasy XV making me enjoy an RPG again. I can't wait to see all the games 2017 has, and fuck, this has been a long write. Apologies to whoever reads this out loud. If you read this out loud, I owe you a beer. Will you get there me you a go, beer, Drew. sucker? All right, thank you for that email. Uh, our next one. Let's see if I can find it here. Nice uh, over throw. Yeah. Uh, this one comes from Mookie. Uh, says, hey, guys, sorry about this, but just to fix... Uh, just to fix the list again, uh, because I forgot to mention Forza Horizon 3. So the following orders are, ooh, am I missing? Okay. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm reading it how it is. Uh, maybe it's Ken forward me this email, these emails. So sorry if I mess this up. Uh, the, so the following orders are XCOM 2, Stardew Valley, Starbound, Deus Ex, Mankind Divided, Forza Horizon 3, this game put a smile on my face. I had never had that feeling since Burnout uh, Takedown 3 on the PlayStation 2 because of the sheer amount of fun I had. Played it on the PC, and yes, it has some technical issues, so I had to tone down the settings, but it didn't stop me from having a blast with the game. I love it, and I thank the devs for making me smile all the way to the finish line. Dishonored 2, American Truck Simulator, Cr <laughs> Crashlands, which is a Steam and Android game, 
Honey Cam Studio. <laughs> I don't know. What? <laughs> I don't know. And Titanfall 2. Uh, the reason I removed Mafia 3 is because I realized that the flaws were slowly killing the fun out of my experience from the game. I really hope they can do better if the devs will have another chance, but this time the game will fall into my list of honorable mentions. I would also like to add Our Boy as an honorable mention. Uh, the game was great, as well as the music, but it didn't give me a much stronger feel compared to Ori and the Blind Forest. But knowing that the game was in development for like 10 years, wow, really? Or so, was a great achievement to the guys. Much love and success for them in the near future, and I hope they won't take long to make their next game. To elaborate why I chose XCOM 2 is how I felt from uh, the game out of my experiences from it. Just like what I felt from Metal Gear Solid back in the day in Dragon Age Origins, this game wasn't too different. I felt so many things from it, from the loss of each of my characters because of how invested I was in them to the last mission where everything is at risk. And in the end, the game was true to its fans because of the game... Oh, oh wow. And in the end, the game was true to the fans of the game because there was uh, there will be another XCOM. I can't hardly wait to play the next one. The PC version is also where it's at because it has mod support upon release and the community is growing rapidly. Like where you can find modders put all Mass Effect characters in the game or several voice mods of Arnold, Deadpool, and all of the Mass Effect characters including male and female Shepard. The new mods missions... The new modern missions and weapons, I mean, the possibilities are endless, and I can find myself playing this game for the next several years down the line. Overall, I love the game mainly because uh, it moved my emotions, especially before I had I make hard decisions to lose units by surprise, and in the end, all of those sacrifices were paid off because I felt like fighting for the fallen ones. I'm not... And I'm not to adv advertise the group, but GameSpot's video review nailed it for me. Thank you for your patience, and I'm sorry for this confusion. I'll be more careful next time. I hope you guys can bring back the weekly dirt instead of Killer Wolverine. And instead of Killer Wolverine, should be John's weekly turd or something. <laughs> uh, I'm a little sad that Deus Ex wasn't discussed more. Uh, it is actually. Um, I, cause that was, he sent an email and then he sent another email and Ken just forwarded me both of those. So I just read his last email first on accident. So let me read this. All of us, but mm -hmm. please note that my lists are based on personal experience. Okay. Well, I'll go with that. All right. Uh, XCOM two, the only game that is meaningful to me this year because it taught me to prepare for the worst, uh, and sacrifices for the greater good. Stardew Valley, the best played game since Harvest Moon. Uh, on PS1, which gave me, which gave more, and still constantly updating by a single developer. Yeah, I hear that game is decent. I I am intrigued I have not to played play it. it. I am very intrigued to play it. I'll put it that I've way. seen it on a lot of you know game of the year lists for for PC. Mm -hmm. Starbound finally officially out the game was a huge upgrade from terraria and i think if some were disappointed about no man's sky they should check this game out and somehow satisfy their taste for planet exploration and crafting deus ex mankind divided a great game especially for those who loved human revolution and i for one is are one of them 
But one thing, though, I'm excited for future DLCs, if not the third and final chapter of Adam Jensen's chapter. Dishonored 2, despite the painful technical issues partially, particularly on the PC port, mainly on the frame rate drops and mouse sensitivity, the game did not fail to impress and was an upgrade from its predecessor. Here's one I really want to talk about. American Truck Simulator. Back when I was first... Back when I first tried Euro Truck Simulator 2, I was surprised because it felt like a very relaxing game. Um, that's it. That's all I said. Man, I want you to elaborate on how good American Truck Simulator is because I, you have piqued my interest for some reason. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of like a trolling submission. No, no. I, I, I don't like that because I hear the truck, you know, the like the Euro Truck Simulator is like a bit of a cult. It's got a cult following. Yeah. American yeah, Truck Simulator has a cult following too. Like I, I've heard, just, I've heard nothing but good things about it. If you're into that, just kind chilling of. on the road and just yeah, yeah. Uh, Crashlands, uh, objective-based crafting game with cross-saving system between PC and Android devices, which is charming characters, a kid-friendly game, if you will. Honeycam Studio. A fun, adult-themed management game where you play as a pimp in your cam girl company trying to earn big before the given time limit and can also go into prostitution if you so damn please. Okay, that's kind of where I thought that game was going yeah. based on the title. And, um, yeah. Cam. In the end, you'll learn more and keep trying to beat your own score over and over again. I <sighs> did not know that game existed. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I can't say it's on my to-do list. Uh, the, uh, remember, he re he removed Mafia 3, but he's on here again. Mafia 3, I really loved almost everything about this game, but unfortunately its drawbacks slowly killed the game for me with the repetitive cycle of uh, takeover missions and lack of fast traveling system. Uh, Titanfall 2, it's a much better version with great single-player campaign and a much more intense and competitive-focused multiplayer mode and one of the best things that is the future DLC's content will be free. Honorable mentions, 1979 Revolution, Black Friday. This game is more of an educational one than anything. Great presentation, music, and content, but the gameplay and length weren't great. Shadow Warrior 2, I expect more from this game. The gameplay is actually a lot better and the humor was still there, but character build and story plot... Uh, were the weak points from the game, and it felt a bit too short. The game was okay. Uh, okay. The game was okay. The game was okay. Was okay regardless, though. Overwatch. The hype is real. It's so much fun, but just like what I felt from Titanfall, I got bored fast. But luckily, the devs didn't stop updating the game. Divinity Dragon Commander. Surprisingly, the game is so is is so good. Not perfect. Uh, on certain gameplay, on certain gameplay, but loving it, would play it more someday. Uh, Mafia Two. Thankfully, I played this game before the sequel's release, and now I'm excited to play the new one this year. Uh, Beast Boxing Turbo, a hidden gem, a modern super punch out game on Steam. You have piqued my interest on that. Borderlands the pre-sequel. Amazingly, the game's great. A bit better in gameplay and checkpoints with a good story. 
Wolfenstein, The New Order, amazingly fun FPS game with an emotional ending, and thank God I finally played the game. Early Access, Dead by Daylight, super fun uh, game, especially with friends on uh, VOIP, I guess voiceover IP, uh, but uh, some people like me, I play a few rounds until I rage quit from uh, the positive tensions from the game. Grip, Roll Cage Lovers for PlayStation 1. This is it. Unreal Engine 4 made it so beautiful. 20XX, a potential Mega Man-like game, and I heard from the N4G radio crew, it's better than Mighty Number no. 9. 20XX is a fantastic game. Osiris, New Dawn. Uh, yeah, that's on my wish list. Uh, the game mostly reminds me of Ark Survival Evolved. It has potentials, but was too premature, especially on the gameplay side. And then finally, Paladins. It felt a lot like Overwatch, but a bit easier, especially for those who played Overwatch. Alright, thank you, Mookie, for that. Up next, uh, this comes from Chad. Uh, it says, Happy New Year. I'm trying something different for the Game of the Year podcast, so I'm sending you a wave file of my top ten. Crap! I, why, didn't, why didn't I read these whenever Ken sent them to me? You amateur. I know. Uh, I, I will put, You're going to have to edit this in after the fact. Yeah, I will put that wave file in this podcast, I promise. Sorry about that. I need to read these before, <laughs> before we start the show. Uh, I tried to keep it as short as possible out of car- uh, courtesy. Uh, maybe it will work, maybe not. Just thought it would. I'd give it a shot. Anyway, if it doesn't work, my list is at the end of the email. Hey, uh, thanks. And here <laughs> is uh, to hopefully a fantastic year for all of us. Uh, crap. I, you know what? I'll, well, you I, can always read his list afterwards if that wave file doesn't work. True. Um, well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to splice his his video audio email in right here happy new year to the n4g crew this is chad aka neo shakespeare and i just wanted to give you all my top 10 list of games for 2016 uh to start with i'll get my honorable mentions out of the way they are ratchet and clank unravel and dying light the following now, Ratchet and Clank, just a fantastic, good, all-round game, and it doesn't try to be anything but that. Unravel, and I seriously doubt that's going to be on anybody's top ten lists uh, for 2016. But for me, it was fantastic. I got a four-year-old little boy. Uh, it's one game that I could sit down and play with. It was beautiful. Had a decent story. I understood it. He didn't. Uh, and it's just a fun thing to play. Plus, he loves the little yarn cat, Yarny, or whatever his name is. Uh, as far as Dying Light, that came out, I think, in January 2016. And granted, I know it might be cheating. It's a DLC expansion. But you know what? You could purchase it without the main game. And I think they even said that the map is uh, bigger than the two maps in the core game combined. So, hey, that sounds like that's something that could end up on a list of me. Uh, so number 10 on my list, I got Batman Arkham VR. I know a lot of people haven't had an opportunity to play that one yet, uh, because of the limited stock of the PSVR. You know what? It's short. Uh, I think, I think my brother beat it in like an hour, hour and a half or something like that. Uh, it's not necessarily something you could put a whole lot of replayability into. There is some stuff with the Riddler trophies, but it was an awesome game to show off the capabilities of the, uh, PSVR. And, uh, you know, just 
if for any other reason, it's just a fantastic experience that I think uh, something like that deserved at least a spot on my list. Uh, as far as number nine, I have Watch Dogs 2. I did not like the first game. But you know what? Watch Dogs 2 isn't too bad. It seems like it's it's almost a direct response to all the criticisms that the first game had. Uh, it doesn't try and take itself too seriously. In fact, it, it goes in the opposite direction. It doesn't try and give you a really uh, cohesive story. It just, just tries to have fun. And in the first game, the side missions just sucked because they had nothing to do with the story. In this one, the side missions are nothing but... Uh, how they tie into the story. Really good game. Uh, number eight on my list, I got Rise of the Tomb Raider, the Anniversary Edition. Um, you know, it, it, it was just a really good game. Uh, I, I actually liked the original reboot. I, I think the original reboot was better than most of the Uncharted games uh, when it came out. Uh, the sequel, uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider, it was a really good game. Uh, I don't necessarily like some of the choices they made. The story was a little lackluster, but it's still fantastic, and the level design is freaking awesome. Uh, number seven, I'm cheating a little bit because I'm going to say the Bioshock Collection uh, Remastered. Now, it's three games with all the DLC combined, uh, and they're pretty fantastic games. They have been ever since they came out. Uh, in fact, uh, this is the 10-year anniversary for the re release of the original. Uh, just a phenomenal... The games themselves have always been phenomenal. Uh, when I saw the graphics in the remastered, like YouTube videos and all, does not do justice. Uh, when I actually picked up the games, I said, this looks really, really good. And you know what? I just had a lot of fun with it. Uh, that's why I ended up with number seven on my list. Number six, I have The Witness. Uh, the Witness, I, I never expected to like. In fact, I think it looked like, like a bunch of hoity-toity bullshit to me. Um, I, I, think, uh, I think people give Blow way too much credit, or I used to until I played this game. Uh, I had to uh, eat crow. It's, it is pretty amazing. Uh, it's not for everybody. And for what he was able to do with some lines and some dots, it really is like you're learning an entirely new language. It, it feels like it transports you to a different place. And you know what? It fucked up my mind because I'm going to work and doing other things out in the real world. And I swear to God, I'm seeing these patterns from this damn game. I'm seeing patterns and everything. I'm like walking around and people looking at me weird because I'm like holding up something and saying, this means something. But anyway, you probably don't understand what I'm talking about unless you actually play The Witness. It's a really good game. Number five on my list. I actually kind of surprised me because I thought this would end up higher on my list. And I'm a huge, huge fan of the series. I remember when I, I, I got the very first game back in the 80s, Final Fantasy 15. I wanted to love this game more than what I actually did. But you know what? Number five on my list isn't too bad. Uh, I... It could have been higher. I blame Dark Souls uh, in, in the influence it has on game development now. Man, they messed uh, the story up. But for what it is, the game loop is fun. Uh, the characters were interesting. The graphics and the presentation, I, it, it all worked pretty good. I, I just can't help but think, you know what, you know, with 10 years of development, this is what we get. Yeah, could have done better. But you know what? Five is pretty good. Number four, I am really cheating on this one. You're all probably going to disagree with me. But I'm saying Fallout 4 Survival Mode. Uh, it came out about eight months ago. 
in 2016, whereas a Fallout 4 didn't come out this year. I played Fallout 4 when it first came out. I platinumed it in about a month. And, and then I deleted it off my hard drive because I was like, you know, even though there's plenty more things I could do in this game, I'm not going to play it again. However, I noticed my brother had kept playing it and playing it, playing it for time. I asked him, did you really like that game that much? And he asked me if I played survival mode. I said no. He told me about it. I said, that sounds interesting. I went back, downloaded it, played it. This is the reason why it's on my list, because in survival mode, it is a completely different game. It gives everything in that game a new sense of meaning. Everything is different. You know, between... <clears throat> Managing your sleep, your hunger, your thirst, um, you know, it even introduces antibiotics and parasites and all kinds of other things. It is phenomenal. The settlements I never had any useful, uh, use for, they're critical now. I am, I'm digging around looking for empty bottles so that I can keep some purified water around for me. It, it is an amazing game. I, I, I can't, uh, speak enough that's gonna do it justice. Just look it up, check it out. It blew my mind how fantastically different Fallout 4 is in survival mode. I hate survival simulators. Hate them like you can. But this is different. This is awesome. Check it out. It's number four on my list. I'm cheating and I don't give a shit. Number three on my list is Far Cry Primal. I think a lot of people forgot about this one. Uh, I didn't just because I didn't pick it up until late in the year anyway. And it is pretty awesome. It... It almost feels like um, Ubi um, took all the best parts of their uh, Far Cry formula, stripped it down to uh, caveman status, and just left it there and, and just kept all the good stuff in. And it is awesome. I, I just really enjoyed this one. Uh, number two on my list, uh, I waffled around a little bit, but I went with Uncharted 4. Um, not my favorite Uncharted game in the series, I have to say, but it is number two on my list. It's the second favorite um, uh Second favorite game of the year uh, for me. It's it's just hard to go wrong with uh, un, an, an, a good Uncharted game. I'm sorry, Drew, but you're wrong. Uh, number one on my list, and I know this one's probably a cheat as well, but Jay, I'm sure you got my back. I'm saying The Witcher 3 Blood and Wine DLC expansion. You know what? I am one of those people that my head will explode if I don't go uh, uh, 10 seconds without saying how amazing The Witcher 3 is. Uh, guys, I know we got lives. Things are busy. Take the time. Sit down and play that damn game. Play Witcher 3. It was my game of the year when it came out. Uh, I would have given a game of the year again when Hearts and Stone came out. You know, Blood and Wine came out 2016. So you know what? That's my game of the year. It's phenomenal. I love it. Anyway, guys, thanks for what you do. Have a good one. Bye. All right, dun, dun, dun. and we're back. <laughs> thanks, thanks for that. So professional. I know. This is how we do it. This is how we do it here. Um, I like it's just good. Just roll with it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, should I read his stuff out too, just in case? We can always. Uh, you could splice your own in if the, his doesn't work right. Very true. Very true. I could do that at the end. Okay. Well, thank you, Chad, for that. Hang on to that one. And then the last email uh, comes from Dustin. 
says, uh, hey guys, happy new year. I'll be quick and get to the point. Games I missed out on playing in 2016. XCOM 2, Stardew Valley, Battlefield 1, Tokyo Mirage Sessions, pound sign FE. Um, and I just started Gears 4, so won't be including that. There's hundreds more, but those are the big ones for me personally. Biggest disappointment, Mighty Number no. 9. Most overhyped game, Overwatch. Best meme, I have a Samsung. Ugh. Most anticipated game for 2017, Persona 5. Honorable mentions, Pokemon Go. Getting the world getting the world to forget politics for a month and play games and have much fun together. That's a good shout, actually. That game was crazy big for a while. Absolutely. It wasn't my thing, but absolutely everybody played that game. Uh, next honorable mention, No Man's Sky for Dreaming Big. I still love that seamless transition from planet to space and back to the planet, and I have no ill will towards that. Company one bit. Oh, I, I'm, for some reason, like these are structured weird. Like all these emails can forward me, and so it makes me sound like I'm reading weird, which I do read weird. So I guess it works out. There's no, there's no judgment here. It's all good. Uh, Res Batman VR until dawn rush of blood, proving to me VR is not a gimmick and will be part of our future in gaming and media. Yeah, I, if I, if you don't mind, I was to interject there because I I picked up the VR. And um, none of the games made my my list, but I, I agree. I think like Res is a fantastic VR experience. I just started playing Eve Valkyrie, and I think um, the best experiences I've had with the VR are, are the ones where the smaller kind of games, like like Res or or Russia Blood, that have just been made for VR rather than kind of you know I know Final Fantasy 15 and Resident Evil 7 are gonna have some VR kind of support, but. I I think it's pretty cool actually. Like for the price point, um, at an entry level, um, I've had a lot of fun with VR this year. I'm pretty excited to see what 2017 brings for, for VR. Cool. Yeah, I'm still waiting to be convinced, but I'm ready. If you know, if, if yeah. that killer, if Resident Evil Seven comes out and it's the killer, the killer app for it, it might push me over the edge. I'm, yeah, I'm I think. Ready to be- I, I picked it up with no kind of expectation. Like I, I, I like, I know, you know, and full kind of awareness of the perils of being an early adopter. Um, but because it was so different and I love like a new tech toy, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get it for, for that price. It seemed like a good, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. You know, I don't sit there and play it. For, I don't see how you could sit there and play it for hours on end. Cause that would just give me a crazy headache. Oh, but me too. yeah, it, it is fun. And that's why I think it's, those those games that those almost those kind of arcade type games where you can play in short bursts it it's just completely different it's completely new and yeah i think it's a really cool development it's definitely not kind of the smooth polished finished article but compared to what you'd have to pay out to to be playing an oculus rift for example you know i think playstation had priced it pretty competitively and it, hopefully 2017 will bring you know, a lot of new VR titles that will really push it into the mainstream a bit more. Okay, so here's my top ten. Uh, number ten, ReCore. Fun platforming and shooting. Loading times are still pretty long and hinder the experience. Uh, number nine, Hyper Light Drifter. Great game, fun boss fights, good combat. You can't just mash buttons. A little short. 
number eight, Overcooked. Best multiplayer game of the year. Played this with your girlfriend or wife or friends. You have over the weekend. Lots of fun. Number seven, Ratchet and Clank. My first foray into this universe, and I had a blast with all the different weapons, and the lighthearted story was refreshing. Number six, Uncharted 4. Great story, lots of action, more of the characters you know and love. Number five, The Witness. Great puzzle game and awesome game design. It starts off easy and slowly teaches you the language of the puzzles on the island. Number four, Doom. Biggest surprise of the year. I don't care much for first-person shooters that make that much, but this game makes you play aggressive, and I loved every bit of it. Number three, Final Fantasy XV. Loved the combat. Story was rushed in places. Beautiful world. Overall, awesome game. Number two, Dark Souls 3. Still can't get enough of the Souls series, the thrilling boss fights, the unrivaled creature design, and weighted and precise combat. When this game clicks for you, it's feel, it feels unlike any game you've played before. And number one, The Last Guardian. Uh, this game is a masterpiece, an instant classic, and the most emotional game I've played this year. Have a little patience, play the entire game, and you'll see why this is easily my number one spot. All in all, a hell of a year for gaming, and 2017 looks to be even better. Take care, Dustin. Thank you, Dustin, for that email. Um, yeah, that's it. Uh, thank you, everybody, for um, sending those emails in. Uh, been on, I didn't think it was going to be that long of a show, but it turned out to be a very long show. So, um, but yeah, that's uh, that's our game of the years for phoenix down and ztgd um been a hell of a year most certainly has great year yeah but um i think that's that's all i can think of to say i mean you can follow us all on twitter i am at dml fury matt is at remgs and sophie is at sm holiday and uh the podcast itself for phoenix down is at ztgd phoenix down uh, we are going to be uh, coming back next week with uh, Mass Effect 2, starting that up. Um, so get excited for that. I uh, I started actually playing it a little bit more yesterday. So I'm totally ready to jump into that. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for, uh, for coming on, uh, sharing your game of the years with us. And um, here's to a great 2017. But, uh, yeah, I don't know how to end this, so we'll do it like we normally <laughs> do on Phoenix Down. Uh, I am Drew. I'm Sophie. Oh! Yes! Yes! <laughs> We're starting 2017 off good. Uh, but, yeah, that's it for us. I hope you guys have a great one. Um, and uh, have a great 2017. And uh, we'll be back on Phoenix Down with Mass Effect 2.